This episode is dedicated to our Stand With The Arts title sponsor, William Ravis, the official real estate company of the Arts Foundation. Hi, I'm Emma from the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. A few things have changed since last season, mainly a global pandemic. So we felt it was important to document the impact this event has had on artists from Cape Cod and beyond. Each of these conversations were recorded from a distance over Zoom. As such, you may hear a few imperfections in the audio. We hope these conversations comfort, inspire, and remind you that we're in this together. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Creative Exchange Podcast. I'm Amy Davies, the Executive Director of Provincetown Community Television. And I'm Julie Wake, the Executive Director of the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. And today we're speaking with visual artist Carl Lopes. Lopes received his MFA in painting at the Pratt Institute before beginning his nearly 40-year career as a visual art educator at Barnstable High School. He served as the school's visual arts director for 25 of those years. All the while, he maintained his career as a self-employed artist, showing work across Cape Cod and beyond. Carl's work is a respectful nod to the centuries of influence of African design and tradition with a direct contemporary vibe. Welcome, Carl. Welcome, Carl. I'd like to also mention that the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod is very lucky to have Carl as a board member since 2014. So, Carl, what has life been like for you this past year? Things are different with COVID, you know, being very careful and and doing what's right in terms of safety, masking and distancing and, and all of that has, has, has made me, like I'm sure a lot of other people, uh, become a little bit more um, uh, in, in introspective in terms of how we approach our lives, you know, how we approach our work, which is an important aspect of our lives. And, and you know, it's sad that we've had to have this kind of experience in order to sometimes slow down and sometimes look at what's really vitally important. You know, and art has always been really, really important to me. It's, it's been one of my main lifebloods. And to be able to teach art, you know, for 30 some odd years at, at, at Bonstable High School and to have had over 3,000 students is, is pretty amazing because it's a lot of lives that, that I was able, I was put in the position to affect. You know, and, and sitting back and thinking about it once, once uh, the virus hit and we all became a little bit more homebound, I realized what a fabulous life I've, I've led because of working with, um, you know, some fabulous teachers and, and staff and administration, but also the most important thing is some, some really wonderful children. And I, when I say children now, I started teaching in 1978. So my first students, some of which at that time went off to art colleges as they do every year, have been professional artists all their lives once they graduated from school. And, and some of these students, I have to say, just reached the age of 60. So there's a lot of, a lot of artists out there that I've had a chance to work with when they were younger that sat at, at you know, my desk. Neil McDonough, who is a, a film artist, a, an actor, was one of my students back at Bonsville High School many years ago. And many other artists that have gone into other arts areas, such as graphic design or animation or illustration, got their jumps out at Bonsville High School. So 
it was really, really a, a great opportunity for me. And the other thing that that did for me was it made me a better artist because I was totally trained in realism when I went to college. And when I got to Pratt, I thought I was going to be a realistic painter. I thought I was going to be a trompe l'oeil artist where people would look at my work and think that they were really looking at a photograph and, and were, would be totally blown away that it was actually paint on a canvas. And that was my intent. And that's what I was working towards. So I was developing all these realistic skills and foundational skills in terms of drawing and painting. And I was able to teach that when I worked at Barnstable High School. But I found that, and this was prior to graduating from Pratt, that my real love in the studio was working geometrically. So I was teaching realism and teaching kids how to draw and paint and, and work with the human figure and portrait work and landscape work and distance work and, and working with them with art history and how to critique artwork. You know, my seniors could critique paintings that they had never seen before off the cuff because of the skills that they learned in class. That made me a better artist because now I was always excited to go back home and get into the studio and do my work, what I wanted to do, which was totally different from working realistically. I was working geometrically. So for many years, I worked as a geometric artist using lines and shapes and forms and colors and textures as the main elements to my pieces. And one day I was in my studio and I collect on a small level, African mass. And I, my ethnicity is, is Cape Verdean. All, all of my great grandparents came from the Cape Verde Islands. So I'm third generation born here. And the Cape Verde Islands are, are off the coast of Africa. I always appreciated African art and African mass because of its simplicity. You know, they could take simple shapes, the, the almond shape for an eye or a circle for the mouth, elongate faces, you know, simplify. They were abstracting, which is another term for simplification, so to speak. And you can take that to different levels. But I fell in love with, with African art in the sense of its, um, its simplicity, but yet its visual power and also its spiritual power too, because a lot of these images were designed for ceremonial uses, such as agriculture and, and boosting hunting and and just um, different tribes would want to create artwork that would help with fertility, you know, within, within a, um, a group of people and so on. So there's a very spiritual side to their designs. So I was looking at one of the African masks that I had in my studio and I thought, gee, maybe I could use that as a subject matter and do my, my geometry approach um, using uh, this image. And prior to that, for hundreds of paintings, and decades, I just worked totally out of my own mind's eye, out of my imagination. I was one of the artists after teaching realism and also understanding all of the basic foundational aspects. I just felt like I needed to do something that was of my own, but yet I needed to maybe make a little bit more of a statement other than just being an abstract ge geometrical artist. So I used one of the African mask images and the first thing it did was it took on a personality. And when people started to see it, when I started to show it, they started to respond to it a lot more personally than my geometric abstract work 
because now they could recognize an image. They could recognize a face. They didn't have to look for the, the abstract nuances that were very important in my former work. And the fact that I'm Cape Verdean of, of African descent, I was playing on, on my culture, my background. And that was very important to me too. And what became important over time, and I've been working in, in my, my former style now for probably, probably about uh, 11 or 12 years. And um, what's important to me is that with all the racial strife that we've had here in our country, and, you know, and we're talking about it now because of the pandemic, and also uh, the brutality that's been going on regarding um, systemic racism in law enforcement and so on. That's nothing new. You know, being a person of color, it's, it's been there all the time. It's been there since I was a child, since I was born and, and way before. It's just out in the open right now and people are, are seeing it for what it is. And part of it is media. Part of it is we all have cameras on our phones. Part of it is we can all record. Part of it is these recordings can be saved and, and shown later by numerous people, not just the, the news media. So, you know, everyone right now, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people right now are like, oh, isn't this awful? You know, how did all this happen? Well, it's been happening for decades. It's been happening for centuries here in America. So getting back to my love of African design, it's important for me as an artist to uplift African design as a positive element, as opposed to an element that people don't understand or people shy away from because they're afraid of it, which is the roots of all racism anyway. People are afraid of something they don't know about. I find it very important to make my images regal, to make my images strong in terms of leadership and, and importance. I don't want my images to connotate negativity or, or anything that is being forced on anyone. I actually want people to smile when they see my work. Um, that's why I use bright colors. That's why I use holographic papers. I title my paintings with positive titles, you know, such, such as um, self-esteem, dignity, grace, elegance, um, titles like that uh, you'll see all throughout my work. And it's, it's, it's all to, to uplift aspect of our world, world culture. Because, you know, here in the United States, art known as primitive art is usually thought of as being negative. It's usually thought of as, as art that <clears throat> are done by people that don't know what they're doing. That's why it's primitive. But that's not true because when you abstract and when you simplify images, in order to make those images strong and, and, and visually worthy, it is a very difficult thing for an artist to do to do more with less, so to speak. And that's, that's what the African design has done. And that's, that's what I'm trying to do with my own pieces. But I've kicked everything up to um, a more contemporary level, to a level where there's more of um, imagery that people sometimes refer to as, oh, it looks like the Mardi Gras, or it looks like uh, a little bit like graffiti to a point. And it's true. I mean, that is, is what I'm trying to do, give it kind of a, more of a, a regal, but more of a hip type of uh, feel to it. I guess that's one way that I can explain it. How do young people, and, and I'm not sure if you were teaching when you started using this style, but how do young people react to the representation and especially young people of color? Well, 
positively in general. Um, young people have a little bit of, of um, forgiveness because they are not as jaded as, as others who are a little bit older. My art tends to attract children quite a bit all the way through, through adults. Um, I do my African mask as my, as my main genre in my studio, but I also do fish and birds. And when I do fish and birds, I use African design within the feathers and within the fins. So the fish that I've done have been, I've been told that you could buy one of my fish paintings for a baby's room. And that baby could have and enjoy that painting all the way into adulthood and beyond because it just hits every, every level. And I thought, you know, that, that is totally true. And I don't know if that's true of, of a lot of artwork that you can say that. You know, not everyone likes my work, but, you know, as an artist, not every, everyone is going to like what you do. There are going to be people that are going to be on the other side of the track and say, well, you know, I've, I've, been, I've been asked, well, do you do portraits? Well, do you do, and I do do faces on occasion, but I don't do portraits to represent anyone that, you know, is commissioning me to do a portrait because I want to do what I want to do. But I find that kids respond, children respond extremely well. And sometimes they make a beeline over to my work when my work is shown with other work. And I think it's because of the color. I think, Julie, your, your son um, was intrigued by one of my large paintings that he started at the Center for the Arts, which I found was, was a riot. That was great. It was great. It was the winter art program a couple of years ago, and he just could not stop looking. He was like, this is my favorite piece because it was just so bright and, and joyful and almost like musical to look at. If you don't mind, I'd love to switch gears and ask you a question about your board work. My question is, why do you think having an artist at the table, be it a board, a committee, a discussion group, I have found working with artists to be a huge asset to my organization and to me as a professional person. And I'd love your opinion on that, about having an artist at at the beginning of problem solving and board work and committee work. Well, I, I I think the way artists think in general is very important in terms of uh, brainstorming and, and discussing. Um, you know, we, we've heard the term, you know, a million times, think outside of the box. You know, what does that mean? To a lot of people, they don't know how to think outside of the box because outside of the box can be very scary for some people. Artists love being outside of the box and taking that chance. It's a matter of not being afraid to fail. I wouldn't do that sitting on a board throw out an idea that could possibly, you know, definitely fail. Sending out an idea in terms of a way something could be resolved or solved that is different than the way the average person thinks is, is important. And, and it brings to the table that aha type moment. You know, and, and I'm not saying, of course, we know that artists are not always right, but we do think creatively. We do think differently. We are artists for that that reason, and we're not afraid to think, think a little bit different. We, we leave things open for possibilities. In, in our day and age, there are more jobs open to visually trained people than in the history of the world. 
there are more jobs for someone who understands composition, visual composition, how to draw, how to structure proportions, how to, how to make something stand out or be diminished, et cetera, et cetera. And then you think of all the different possible mediums that artists are involved in. Everything from not only your computer screen, but books and illustrations to designing all the utilitarian objects such as chairs or cars we drive to the clothing that we wear. Anything that you look at in our world that is man-made, someone who is trained in the visual arts had a hand in on that and an important hand in on that. So in this day and age, it's, it's still carrying on from centuries ago that when we look at our history in hindsight, we will see it through the eyes of the artist. It's been that way since mankind began. And there's no reason it's going to change now. The only thing that has changed is the medium. You know, we now have digital, we now have the computer and, and everything else that surrounds that. But it's the artist that's putting out the images that will be historic and, and will be remembered. So, you know, we, we really have to uplift artists in our society as, as being extremely important. They always have been. And they're, they're no less important now. They're probably even more important now, too. The visual arts are an area that affects every single other area in the world in terms of not only creativity, but problem solving and so on. So we need to, we need to continue to, to do the things that the Art Foundation is doing, you know, supporting the arts, supporting artists, especially in this time of COVID. You know, with the grants that the Arts Foundation is, is putting out to help artists and, and so on in the different programs, you know, such as access to get children involved and to get children to be inspired by, by creative adults is, is really important. So it's just, it's just um, a case in point of how important it is to support. We say the arts, but the arts wouldn't be the arts if it wasn't for two components the creators and the people who absorb our creations, who come to the performances, who buy the paintings, who commission the sculptures and so on. So as we're wrapping up, I would like to know, you spent 40 years with kids in a classroom and I wanna know what influence the kids had on you and your art. It made me a better artist because it got all the realism out of my system, teaching everything that I taught in the classroom. So I was free to do whatever I wanted to do with my geometry and, and, and my African influence art, you know, on my own. And it gave me inspiration. Matter of fact, the reason why I'm using paint pens in, in my pieces now a days is I guess it was probably just before I retired, so it was probably like 2013, a student brought a package of those to class. And I said, oh, this is interesting. I haven't, I haven't used these yet. She says, you're here to try it. As soon as I tried it, I knew it was for me. And I said, I think I'm going to use these on my paintings. Do you mind? And she's like, they sell them in the art store, so go right ahead. So once I started using them, I was just like, this is great. 
So, you know, I, I came back and I said to the student, you really influenced me. And this is what I've been doing with the work. And she was like, I did. I really influenced you. I was like, yeah, it goes two ways. It's just not the teacher giving to the student. Many times it's the student, you know, giving to the teacher. So, you know, that those kind of experiences are, are really, really wonderful. And to see some of these students, and there are literally hundreds of them, um, be professional artists all of these years. And, and most of them, at least many of them are better artists than I could ever dream of being myself. You know, they're in different directions with realism or, or, or whatever, and graphic design. But in this day and age, they had a better springboard than I had when I was in high school. So they got off the ground with better portfolios and better understanding of art um, when they got into their careers uh, than I did. So it's, it, it, I want my students to be more successful than I've ever been in my life. And that's, that's really what's important. I love the amount of respect that you have for your students. It's yeah, wonderful. Someone said to me one time, how can you stand teaching high school? These kids are, are just pains and pains in the, you know what? And I'm like, no, no, they're not. They're great kids. And people would say to me, kids are worse today than they ever have been. I'm like, no, no, they're not. They're not as bad as they used to be. They're even better. And I would give them reasons why. And you know what? Let's say we were at a, a party or something. This person, the person didn't want to hear it. They'd walk away because in their mind, they thought they were right. But no, the students of today uh, have better information, better knowledge. You know that going on the computer, they can Google anything they want and get the information. So they're smarter, they're brighter. They just have to be led properly by parents, as well as teachers, as well as community members, as well as arts organizations, et cetera, et cetera. That's important. It takes a village to to um, bring up a child. And I, I totally believe in that too. So I was part of that village and I still am. Constable High School still has a terrific art program and there are terrific art programs in, in all the schools across the Cape. I mean, the Cape is, is, is very, very strong in supporting the arts, especially in the school systems, which is one of the reasons why I, I stayed here. I noticed that when I first started teaching and uh, fell in love with it, fell in love with the Cape and the nature that's out here. Um, you know, my hobbies are fishing and, and, and boating. So the Cape's been a wonderful place, but the arts are really, in generally, in general, they're, they're held very high here on Cape Cod. So we're very, very fortunate in that respect. I think that's a great place to wrap up our conversation. So thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to today's guest, Carl Lopes. For this episode of the Creative Exchange Podcast, I'm Amy Davies, the Executive Director of Provincetown Community Television. And I'm Julie Wake, the Executive Director of the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. Until next time, stay well, everyone. We're adding a special announcement at the end of this podcast. We'd like to let you know that Carl Lopes has been selected as the 2021 Pops by the Sea Commemorative Artist. His work will be unveiled for the 2021 auction on April 8th at the Cape Cod Museum of Art. This will be held virtually and with limited capacity in person. And then the piece will be auctioned at the Arts Foundation's Prelude to Summer Auction on June 3rd, which will also be virtual and a portion of it will be in person. So we hope that you'll check back at the artsfoundation.org website for more details. Thank you for listening. We'd like to thank the John 
and Thurza Davenport Foundation for supporting the Creative Exchange. The Creative Exchange podcast is a collaboration between the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod and Provincetown Community Television. Words and music of this season's theme song are by Sarah Burrell, copyright 2009. To donate to the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod's Arts Relief Fund, a project supporting Cape Cod artists and arts organizations impacted by the pandemic, visit artsfoundation.org. It's all in.